Hey there and welcome back to Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera available everywhere good podcasts are sold. I'm your your returning party host, Dave Ryan, and I'm joined by the full complement of co-hosts for the first time in about a month. First, he is the the long and weary traveller whom I have not spoken to in many weeks. He's a platforming prodigy, Mark Robinson. Mark, how are you? I'm good. I uh, I did 20 push-ups yesterday and now I can't raise my arms above my head. So uh, that just confirms my weak and feeble state at the age of 33 years old. So that's always good to know. Good stuff. No, no better way to start a podcast, Mark, than a timely reminder of the yawning maw of the grave being close at hand. That's what I'm here for. That's the kind Thank of good quality content I provide. Thank you so much. Uh, joining us as well, the man who is outlining circumstances under which I should bludgeon him to death uh, before we started this podcast. That's the kind of mood the room is in. It's the Sidona simp himself, Mr. Chelsea Jack Lazell. Look, I'm just saying, if I lose my mind, feel free to twat me with a rock. Yeah. That is all I'm telling you. Like, And right after that, you counted the amount of people on this show as four. Yes. So, <laughs> so Dave has bought his ticket and he is coming to England and he's going to twat me with a rock. I, I think... It- if the twattening were to take place, Jack, um, you should like sign off at one of two venues, and it's either you know I I do it uh, at the the halfway line uh, on the pitch at the bridge. Yep. Or, um, we we do it in token while you have uh just chow down on some bacon jam. Yep, those are those are good choices. Yeah, and I just say for the commute, I'd appreciate if you did it in token. Yep. Can you, like, either that or could you, like, you know, we could recreate the assassination of uh, Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford and you could just have me, like, hang up a picture or whatever it was he was doing and just from behind just whack me with a rock. I I was also going to say that, like, I don't really feel the need to travel over to do it at the bridge because pretty much you could just wait until the next home game against West Ham and, you know, (laughs) someone will do it for me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You just lift your head above the parapets there in the shed end and you'll probably get fucked up by something flying yeah. at yeah yeah it's a good point yeah yeah don't um what was that episode of uh the walking dead where like that girl uh, one of the like a young girl got bitten or something and and like one of the women on the show was like just look at the flowers just look at the flowers and then like shot her into a pile of flowers um, oh was it was it the kid yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Carol was it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Carol was Carol. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I just imagine. So, see, I can't even. Look, in my defence, I don't watch The Walking Dead. Okay, so I don't yeah. have an encyclopedic knowledge of that show. Please don't twat me with a yeah. rock. I did a big catch up on that. Did we talk about that on the show? We I did. I can't remember. We did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 it actually like once you skip past the like every so often there's a season that just fuck and goes on forever. It's not bad, and now like it's kind of. The final season is on, so now I almost feel obliged. Especially when it's on Disney Plus, so I don't even have to go to the lengths of purchasing it yeah, online the day exactly. after. Yeah. Um, it is a real pain to purchase uh like say twenty four episodes of a season if somebody hasn't put them into an easy purchasable file. Um mm. so yeah, I, I hear you on that. Because as you're going through the weeks when the show's on and you have to purchase it once a week, you have to yeah. remember to go in and get it. So, uh, mm. yeah, that is a pain in the bum. On that note, Mark, what have you been watching? All right, so uh, I saw No Time to Die, and I actually saw uh, Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. Yeah. Um, we will say now, by the way, uh, no huge spoilers for No Time to Die, because I've seen it as well, but because like, it's only out a week, 
just in case people are like, oh, fuck, should I skip ahead? Okay. Oh, we talked about it last week a bit as well, and I was very unspoilerific. Well, the one yeah. thing that I want to bring up, right, is because there's a, the, if you wanted to do it, there's an interesting case study between these two films, and I won't talk much about uh, what, Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi and James Bond? No, it's it's purely just in the fact that one okay. film clearly... <laughs> They're sh- both movies I saw this week. One film <laughs> clearly shows, like, here is how you can write a villain, give him clear motivation, give him a clear, yeah. like, understanding of his backstory, and to have that all tied up within about five minutes of the film starting. And then you have another film that goes to three hours, and by the end of it, I still am no closer to knowing exactly what the main motivation of the villain is and why he's doing the things. I think they stopped writing the script halfway through the movie. Like, yeah. they just were like, uh, you know, I don't I, know, d- d- poison, I guess. My, sure. my my operating theory is that uh, very briefly at the start of the Craig films, they raised the expectations, uh, perhaps unfairly for what people should expect from a typical Bond movie. And on the way out, before they turned off the lights and closed the doors, they just wanted to lower that expectation down to pre-Craig levels. You know, because, Maybe. you know, I, I think I character depths and motivations are not things that these films are typically known for. They're known for, you know. Oh, I don't know, man. I think Casino Royale and Skyfall were both brilliant for that. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like pre-Craig era. Oh, like you're talking You're talking two out of 25 films. Yeah, pre-Craig. It's not, not a big sample size, Jack. Are you trying to tell me <laughs> even, that 006, even, Alec Trevelyan in GoldenEye yeah. didn't have clear motivations? Even, even for England, want, James. Even if you just want to stay to the Craig movies, you've named two of them. So 60% of the Craig movies don't have it either. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, yeah. I, I feel like part of the issue with No Time to Die, and I I should point out that there was absolutely fucking loads of time to die there 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 was was. a lot of time to die i should say that i i enjoyed the film for the most part and like you know jack was saying last week i think you had it uh, out of the five films you've got a slap bang in the middle Mm. um which is where i would put it as well which in fairness isn't that hard because spectre is boring and quantum solid quantum solid is terrible yeah it's a bag of shit but it really feels like this is a film where when casino royale started or when you know we were that era they clearly didn't have the the idea that they'd be doing this five film arc with Craig's Bond. And it really does feel at the end of this one, they're trying to tie up a whole bunch of loose ends. And there's a a lot of square peg round hole type issues going on. Now, some of them, I think that they tie up better than uh, some of them. I think they're fine with in terms of the story arcs, but just the whole thing with the villain and Rami Malek's character who, he does the performance that you expect a Bond villain would be like. You know, he leaves about five minutes between sentences. He talks in this very methodical, cold type of way. He has the facial scarring and everything, about his, everything about his performance, I've got no issue with. But just it's like, I'm just sitting there listening to him talking about wanting to, you know, make the world just a little bit tidier. And I'm like, okay, well, why? And at and, and, and no point is that question answered maybe he's just sick of people like around him on the tube like i i mean as i started to go back into london more and more like, i've moaned about on here before I, I feel the same way you know if i had access to some sort of poison device there'd probably be days i think about it who knows and my i think my real biggest issue actually passed that and it's cues in tesco's no Get rid of them <laughs> No, it's the, the, the issue that the main issue I have with Spectre and it bleeds into No Time to Die is that at no point did I ever buy in to the relationship between Madeline and, and Bond. And Hang on a second. I actually thought that stuff was quite good. Maybe no, it's just yeah, me. I, I, yeah, I disagree as well. I, I, I just, I think I never, it, 
like the the point at where she decides that she's like crazy about Bond Inspector just it came out of nowhere and I it just felt really forced just to try and you know put a love interest back into this whole thing with Bond and I feel that I just it, I never bought it in No Time yeah. to Die as well and considering oh. a large crux of the film is is on that relationship and while there are certain elements and dynamics later on that I enjoyed um I just I think that was it's the main thing that drives these two these last two films and because I didn't buy into it I think that is a large reason why um I kind of came away from these last two films just not feeling what they were trying to do with it Dave, you, you did like an intake of breath, like you were about to say something. No, 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 so. I was waiting for you. No, I was, I was, I was giving you clear air there because I feel yeah. like, yeah, go on. One of my favorite things that I found out about this afterwards, because like you know, we we've all done the uh, you know, plenty of time to die, very long movie sort of jokes. It's like it's only fifteen minutes longer than Skyfall. <laughs> yeah, but that film Which is was wild. snappy though. Like the pace yeah. of that film was great. Yeah. Plus, Javier Bardem um, was great. Um, yeah, they've wasted Chris. They've literally wasted two Oscar winners, Christoph Waltz and Rami Malek. Yeah. Like that is incredibly disappointing, isn't it? Like yeah. back in the day, getting like Oscar winners to being James Bond mm. probably wouldn't have happened as much. I wouldn't have thought. Like, like I, I think a lot of the problems the film has is due to the fact that you know, for like for for many reasons, this this Craig saga is trying to break with tradition, and one of the ways in which it does is that it's attempting to tell a five film long arc that like you kind of alluded to mark they didn't know was going to be five films long at the outset necessarily um so there's a lot of like kind of messy work trying to tie everything in at the end um happening in this but at the same time like as a rip-roaring caper i really enjoyed it i think you can really tell um it's the best written in terms of dialogue of all these like it feels the most bond you mm. know the, the 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 like the the fight scene we've all seen in the in the trailers with Ana de Armas in uh there's so like some great like back and forth between the two of them in that bond actually like tells jokes and like not tells jokes it's definitely like, the most quippy, wise. you know and, yeah, yeah it's, and I, I uh, but not in a not in a, like a, a Marvel, well, that happened no, no, sort no, of no. humor sort of way, but in a very James Bond sort of way. And a, I think I said to was it to you, Jack? I, I messaged this as like, you can see pretty clearly that Phoebe Waller-Bridge uh, did a pass on this script. If you yeah. haven't seen it in the opening credits, um, you you can tell just like it's 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 witty. It, it has a kind of like reverence for the like the the way bond used to be in the ways that you can still have bond the way he used to be there's a lot of things about the bond character that need to be left in the past i also think there was a lot of um really good kind of like blink and you'll miss it you know because this is like the the whole framing of it even in the trailers is that this is the end of an era of bond and there's a lot of um stuff in the corner or stuff that's alluded to that is you know referential to other bond movies of things past there's like blink and you'll miss it you can see like uh one of the old bond cars in an early scene in the background there's um i'm pretty sure because it looks very familiar that there's like you know <laughs> like in a lot of these craig movies we we have a 
a period where um, Bond is is living his life by himself somewhere, you know, in an undisclosed part of the world. And I'm pretty sure that place he's living in is the GoldenEye Resort, like where Ian Fleming wrote a lot of the books uh, in Jamaica. It looks very, very like it. I don't know it for sure. Um but stuff like that like I just it like I, Haven Island from the from the last Hitman game I'm not gonna lie to you yeah it, it's interesting like I, I'm not sure how it's going to age because I've kind of like the performance for example in Skyfall for me the, the performances hold up very well but the actual plot of the film not necessarily uh, and like when it just kind of you know, as people would have said at the time, when it just turns into Home Alone for the last 45 minutes, like a real kind of, you know, MI6 Home Alone, but Home Alone nonetheless, it kind of loses me a bit now. I think Casino Royale is the only one of the Craig movies so far that, like, you know, I'll stick that on for rewatch and enjoy it just as much as I did the first time. Um, I really like that section at the end of Skyfall, though. It, it's wacky as fuck, yeah, but, like... I, I don't know. It just it, it does something a little bit different. I think with Skyfall, it's the best shot looking. It's the best looking of the five. Like the whole bit where he goes to, um, go, is it Hong Kong? It's it's somewhere in yep. that part of the world. And like, there's nine minutes there where there's no dialogue whatsoever. And you know mm. the way it's shot, where you have the fight up in the tower, and that's all kind of done in one shot. Like it's a real Sam Mendes looking type fucking film. Um, and I think that always is really well done. Um, as, as I said last week with Jack, like Casino Royale is still my favorite of the five. Uh, mm. I think it's it's a pretty flawless film. Um, and I did enjoy it. Like, I, you know, I, I had my complaints with No Time to Die, but I watched it and at no point was I bored of it. I enjoyed it. And at no point did it give me a headache like Quantum Solace. So, mm. you know, as far as I can see, thumbs up there. But it definitely... I, I think it was so focused on tying up a bunch of loose ends that it forgot to kind of look at what the point of this film actually, what, what was it actually trying to accomplish? Um, and yeah, it, it, it definitely kind of runs into a few issues. But like performance-wise, I think everyone does a really great job. And as you mentioned, I think the, the writing, the dialogue is... It's, it is. It's probably the, the funniest of the five films. Um, yeah. And I do like the the, the kind of... The, one of the themes that runs through the film about the kind of like the, the, the forced obsolescence of the old world and the way things were done, which had been kind of a creeping theme through the last couple of films. But like it's something they hit upon real heavily in this both you know directly and indirectly the idea that not only bond's ways but even the ways of specter are becoming outmoded by you know the way the world is now um and and that's been kind of like I think it's something that they, in their kind of like, not mission statement, but at the outset, they want to talk about the idea of this, like, you know, I think they even call him a dinosaur in one of the movies, but just like this, how do you do this character now? Well, that was, um, that was back in Goldeneye. Yeah. That's, but that's yeah. every Bond movie with Daniel Craig in it. Is yeah, like, yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, but it's been kind of like it, the um, amount to which the whole movie itself is about that has increased exponentially over time i think you know, they i think they eased up a bit though in this one like yeah. i definitely think there was way more of that in skyfall inspector 
And then I think, like, if you see what the conclusion of the movie was, you figure out why they eased up on it. Like, they don't need to ram that Mm. point home because of the way that they decided to um, Mm. end the movie and end the story. And and probably Daniel Craig's arc is probably at a close now. Like, you know, unless they they, they beg him back for for a lot of money and, like, quite a strange, you know, turn of Mm. events to get him back into the job again. But, hey. The... the thing that I'm interested in, like one of the many things I'm interested in about this is just like, what do you do next? Like, yeah. obviously yeah. you need to not do one for several years, but then like, I'm wondering is like a couple of period Bond movies the way to go? Um, well, because I imagine, I, I imagine the arsake of trying to write an authentic Bond movie with all the modern trappings of technology, you know? Um, yeah. Like, I press a button on my phone and James Bond died. The end. Yeah, like, that's my thing. Like, I don't know if I want, you know, from this straight into more modern Bond. Like, it feels like a nice kind of, you know, three film arc set way back yonder might be a different way to go with it that might be cool. Well, it's just like, because this was the first time that we had a reboot with Daniel Craig's Bond. Yeah. And so it's like, where do you go after that? And how do they approach it in terms of... Um, you know, is the next Bond just still James Bond? Is like he a, a new person? Is he the same? And that's kind of been you know a question you could ask throughout the years anyway yeah. about how. It's they a, a, yeah, it's a thing that, they just you know? deliberately never. You know, there's all the fan theories about that James Bond is just a code name, which Skyfall attempts to kind of put to bed, unless you know you uh, going forward established that the Craig arc was the origin of the name and going forward the name is to to honor Craig Look, Bond I, that I that's hold the code as much name, weight to know? all those conspiracy not conspiracy but those theories as I do the fucking Legend yeah. of Zelda timeline they've, yeah. they've never explained I it. also love the I also love the Bond as a time lord theory which is <laughs> yeah well <laughs> no, no, that's it, good it, stuff. it is very re- yeah. it's very Doctor Who isn't it it's like every yeah. new Bond but, is a regeneration yeah. But I think even the broccolis themselves are just go like fuck, like it's just we can't explain it, <laughs> so it we're matter. not going to try. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Just fucking enjoy your slop, lads. Not everything. Not everything has to have a backstory. Not everything has to have some sort of deep lore around it. Like the the internet age has sort of given us all the just yeah. we're gits for law now like you know every yeah. time a new series comes out there's one episode out of a new series and already on youtube there's someone trying to explain the law or something like yeah and there you know it all kind of um it it all harkens to like there is a thing in human psychology where there is like a a desire of the human brain to find patterns where possible and like the yeah the the memification and the lorification of all popular media has really brought out the worst of that instinct yeah I, I think. it's why everyone was so mad at JJ Abrams for whatever the hell Lost became because at first everyone was having fun with the theories <laughs> and then towards the end of it it was all just bollocks like there was no, absolutely well, no threads. Even to, mad. To be fair, I think uh, one of the apart from the fact that the show just got real bad in general. James Bond is the island. Also, the ending of Lost was exactly the ending that he'd promised for the guts of a decade. It wasn't. Yeah. It's was like, well, you know, I'm not going to comment on fan theories, but the one thing I'll say is that it's not this, and then it was that. Yeah, maybe that that was um, just his way of deflecting. Love. Yeah. Anyway, um, fuck, fuck, fuck that. I don't want to talk about Lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um right let's move on um, by the way i want to does anyone have a pitch for who they'd want the new james bond to be because I, I have one that i think is a really good idea currently i don't care 
uh, and I'm sure that whoever it is, everyone's going to scream about. <laughs> Glad that we're having this discussion on this here entertainment and video games podcast, yeah. Mark. Can't 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 even be arsed with a hypothetical. Yeah, can't even say like I don't know, Dave. <laughs> Great audio, <laughs> <laughs> Dave Ryan's next one. Yeah. Fuck it, The Rock. There we go. I, I do, oh I do. my, I would watch the shit out of that. I, I want The Rock gr- in a period Bond film, all right? Yeah. <laughs> want The Rock being like a sort of 60s kind of influence, Austin Powers style James Fuck Bond. yeah. I do agree with the idea that, um, especially after doing kind of like, uh, you know, as haggard as a man as handsome as Daniel Craig can be, but like an older Bond, hmm. um, that like being one of the underlying themes of the series, like at that going from this, you need to go younger. And I think that probably does disqualify Idris Elba, who's been. Yeah, he's, he's too old and he's ruled himself yeah. out now. If they were going to do that, they would have done that after Skyfall, which was originally when Craig said he kind of wanted to quit. Which was a, yeah. was a good like decade ago now, and Idris Elba would have been the right age to carry at least two or three of them. Uh, my pick is I think he's like thirty four, thirty five. Uh, is Richard Madden? I think Richard Madden would make a fantastic Bond. It's like James ah. Bond's, you know, a little bit of a Scottish heritage or whatever, and he's proved he could act. Uh, you know, he's been in action scenes and stuff in games, Game of Thrones, and I thought it was incredible in Rocket Man. Like the performance he put on there was really good. Uh, he's just, yeah, he's a very good actor. He's kind of about the right age. He has the right sort of jawline for the job as well. I, I think he'd make a fantastic Bond. That's my idea. Uh, it's my gimmick whenever anybody um, mentions the, the next the next of anything, who would you cast as this, that I just say Michael Fassbender. I see, yeah. Whether I mean, I mean it or not, but I mean, like, he's got the chops. Like, again, he's, like, mid-40s, so, you know. Yeah. He would, I mean, he would have been a good choice as well. I think yeah. they'd gone Elba or Fassbender. I, I, I just don't think yeah. they, they don't think they did enough to, in this movie to really cultivate, because they were going to be like, is James Bond going to hand it over to the the woman in the movie who has the code name 007? You know, like, like yeah. that is kind of, is that kind of the whole thing set up? But then in the end, like she was, again, it's the problem with the movie in two halves is that she was really cool and their sort of back and forth tete-a-tete in the first half of the movie was great. And then, like, the rest of the movie, she just wasn't in it. And they just, like, really fucking gave her short shrift. And I, I felt really bad for yeah. her by the end of the whole thing. My my other proposal is they could go for, like, a real young Bond and, and maybe talk, like, pre-actually becoming a 007. And he might need to bulk up a little bit, but in terms of the jawline and the hair, Joe Keery. Okay. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. Ha- had he uh, not done... Uh, Kingsman, you would look at Tarrant Edgerton and think, yeah. you know, you talk about young Bond. Yeah, I know. I know people say uh, young Bond. Uh, people have said Tom Holland recently, and I think you're oh, talking no. too young there. That's... Like he's he's probably in terms of age, maybe about right, but he looks about twelve. Yeah. Is the problem? I just don't um, see it. That's that's the issue. I I also don't necessarily like the the Tom Hardy. I think that's like two root one nah, for me. Nah, I mean to be honest, with the way things are going, it's just going to be Chris Pratt. Yeah. Fuck no! I like I like Chris. I also does he, like, but yeah, like no, no. people saying Matt Smith as well. Oh. No, uh, no, 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 no. He'd make a great Q. Nah. Is what he would make a great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he would do not know, make um, a good Bond. Do you know who I want as Q though? Now I'm just thinking about the Mario. I want fucking. I I want to find a way to get Chris Day into a Bond film. I don't know how. Yeah. Sure. So not, the, not, the guy who the guy who finished second the last time not around. Chris Day, as Charlie well. Day. I'm about, uh, Henry Cavill. Yeah, Cavill. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I'm just looking at the different things people have said online now. But yeah, Killian he, Murphy's a shout. How about Killian Mbappe? Well, Killian Mbappe. Murphy would probably be too old as well now. Isn't he like kind of in his 40s? He still has a oh. young look about him. Yeah, I guess he does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and he's decent with accents as well. Like, I think you could put on yeah. that kind of suave accent. I mean, mm. you know, I guess the, the suavest guy who could do it. Um, and he, I think he'd make an excellent period bond, although I don't know, there's probably some sort of like Disney reason that he can't do it now, but Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's just, he would be such a good, like, Pierce Brosnan esque bond, where it's like more about the slick hair and the suaveness than it is necessarily about the, you know, getting people to mm. whip you in the groin with stuff like Daniel Craig Edge brought to it. So, like, yeah. if they went in a complete, like, 180 in terms of like a male kind of cast member, and, and or, or they just, or they just give it to Jodie Comer, which would be fucking fantastic. I reckon she could do it. Like, um, so someone like that, if they wanted to go yeah. down the female bond route. Luke Evans is on the, the odds list as well. Hmm. Uh, as is Daniel Kaluuya. Oh, now that—that's a choice. Daniel Kaluuya. He—he's cool, man. Like he would be. Yeah, good. great actor. Yeah, he's just cool yeah. as well. Like James Bond needs to be cool. I think like yeah. they need to have a sort of swag about them, like a presence. Um, you know, there's some people that just don't. That's why when someone was like Matt Smith, I was like immediately like uh, just oh, reject big it. nerd energy. He's just not James. He's just you need to have something about you to do it. I think. Um, the guy from Bridgerton is like one of the favorites, oh, it- but I think that's recency bias. Yeah, like because Bridgerton is all the rage. Do you know who like- I? Do you know who I would like? Actually, I think he's maybe a little bit too old now, but Oscar Isaac. Yeah, I, he. he uh, yeah, well, I, cool. he's on my list of cast and everything. Yeah, you know, it's it's him, uh, Idris Elba, Michael Fassbender, Anya Taylor Joy, um, James McAvoy. <laughs> you know, no matter what the film is, I'm casting for. Yeah. I'm casting all, Annie and all of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm sticking with my pick. I would love Richard Madden to do it because I I just do think like it it would be good to have a Scottish Bond again. You know, to like really bring the heritage out of it. I mean, just. That'd be a fucking cool pick. He's exactly the right age to be able to do it for the next 10 or 15 years as well. Yeah. Uh, there's another list here I'm looking at that has Dan Stevens on it, but after the Eurovision movie, I'll never be able to see him as Bond. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he is typecast. By the way, every time I think about, and, and it's happened already, every time I think about that movie, I get Volcano Man stuck in my head. Um, Naturally, I just, as you should. As, as the, the, the image of, of, of Will Ferrell shouting, Volcanic Protector Man, in front of a geezer is like the, just the greatest shit ever. Um, yeah, that, that movie rocked. I, I need to rewatch that again at some point. Shall we, uh, sh- shall we bring this show back into some sort of uh, semblance of forward uh. momentum? Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. why, why start now? Um, I suppose I'll go next. And uh, one thing that I watched, I'd be curious to see if Jack watched, was I watched the finale of What If this week. I have not seen it yet. Um, I don't know why. I just haven't. And do you know, my my? I suppose my final evaluation of it is, it's all right. Like the finale. You know, the last two episodes kind of like brought the weird. Yeah. You know, they they really kind of, right, let's get a bit wacky with it. And I don't necessarily want to to spoil it. I definitely don't think it's at the level of, oh, it's definitely worth uh, (laughs) watching the whole series. Because I think on the whole, it was just a massive pile of nothing. Um, It was a bit of a nothing burger, but I mean, there were good episodes in there. I still maintain my favorite episode is the Doctor Strange episode. 
I think that mm. was really cool. Like, well, then, do you know, you will like this last one. Yeah, I know. I, I figured if it, it leads in from the previous episode, then the, does it lead in from the previous episode? Put it this way. The, something that isn't a spoiler is just to say that the name of the episode is What If The Watcher Broke His Oath? Yeah, okay. Cause, so, yeah, then it, it, it probably leads in from the previous episode. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like... The, the most metal thing of all time is being stuck in a broken universe of your own creation while you're plagued with demons like that is fucking mm. metal um that's why it, that doctor strange episode to me was the best and it ended on a down note like it was like oh well the the, the, the we didn't win in this episode you know they, they were yeah. too by the book up to that point like within five minutes of that doctor strange episode of seeing his 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 missus getting killed over and over again in more heartbreakingly awful ways i was like holy shit like like they've thrown away all the nonsense and gloss they put in the first few episodes. But then after that, I was kind of like, nah, man, the zombies episode was pretty cool, like, I guess. Um, that frat boy Thor episode was a big old nah. pile of bollocks, wasn't it? That was Yeah, just shit. It was, fu- it was fun, <laughs> dog shit. but it wasn't Dog good. shit. No, 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 well, I'm not going to say it's dog shit, but it was just... I am. I'm gonna, actually, uh, I'm going to say it's horse shit. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I I didn't I didn't hate it, but I, I certainly didn't like it. I mean, nothing is as bad as the first episode where you've got fucking Peggy Carter, who's one of my favorite characters in the whole Marvel universe, and they just gave her an episode like, mm. okay, she just gets a serum, and that's what happens. And yeah. here here's the thing. So in the final episode, right at the very start, there's like a, a similar kind of thing where they play, they basically replay a scene as it existed in a previous movie, but with the character swapped out for the you know the this what ifs version of the characters that will be in those roles sure and it's much better one because you know it's just a scene i enjoy at the start of one of my favorite marvel movies uh and secondly because it's confined to one scene and it's not the whole fucking episode yeah man <laughs> um yeah so yeah it's like a, a pretty okay ending um to and it's one of those things where okay what they wanted to do at the ending kind of justifies why it's an animated movie because you could never actually do this in a live action Doctor Strange got his old boy out he did his helicopter and the ladder boot exactly um The other thing I've been doing, so I had no time to die on, we already talked about that. Um, The other thing I've been doing is I have engaged Spooky Season, my friends. Oh, here he is. Yeah, It's Halloween, Dave. Yeah, so, like, uh, as well as having the uh, movie account, which I talked about a while ago, I also signed up for a free trial of Shudder, which is like the Did you get a cow tipper with that movie account? Oh, if only. Um, So, yeah, I got a free trial of Shudder, which is like the, the horror the netflix of horror okay that way um so it's all like horror and sci-fi and um stuff like that movies and tv shows so i'm kind of just digging through that and it's a nice mixture of oh here's a cool original idea oh here's a terrible movie but like fun terrible um and then some just like wacky ass shit and some like they they buy in a lot of movies but there's also a lot of originals and some exclusives as well so it's a good mix um and i'm just gonna run quite quickly through um, like the horrors so far because I imagine for October this will be a regular feature on the show uh, for me uh, the first thing I watched was on Mubi and it was Prevenge which was the uh, the horror movie starring Alice Lowe from a few years ago um, the f- famously played Dr. Liz Asher in 
Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Not the last mention of Garth Marenghi I will have in this segment. Um, oh, wow. I but, thought you were just going to say in general. but <laughs> uh, It's it's the one, you may remember it, Jack. It's the one where she filmed it while she was heavily pregnant. And it's about a pregnant woman whose unborn child is telling her to wreak vengeance for the death of the unborn child's father. So she's a serial killer. Um, that is basically, you know, uh, hallucinating or not that the child is talking to her, telling her to kill um, mm. these people in like horrendously gory and spectacular ways. And it's kind of like, I had expected it to be gruesome. I'd expected it to be gory and a bit freaky, but it's actually like a little bit funny in places, like darkly funny. Yeah, it sounds like schlock. And I think good schlock has to have a bit of humor to it. Yeah, and it's very well shot. Like, I'm pretty sure she actually, she definitely wrote it, or at least co-wrote it. She might have directed it as well. Um, But yeah, that was really good. And that was, yeah, that is the kind of horror movie you'd expect to see on a movie that prides itself on being like a curated streaming service. There's only like two or three, like, uh, more horror movies coming throughout the month to it. Uh, The Love Witch, which I talked about last year on the show, which I really enjoyed, is coming there next week. So I'm probably going to rewatch that. But in terms of... Uh, stuff I've been watching on Shudder. I kind of went through on the first day of my free trial and just added loads and loads of stuff that I thought was semi-interesting or funny dumb uh, to my list. Um, And I've been working my way through that. So at the bottom end of Experiences was a movie called Kriya, which I watched no more than 24 hours ago and was so bored by it that under pain of death, I couldn't recount to you what the plot of that movie is now. Um, I've seen so many films like when you have the cinema card, I I did like to try and do like a hundred, go and see a hundred movies in a year. And at the end of it, and I have a pretty good recall of a lot of things until Dave has to twat me with a rock, obviously. But yeah. I there was about 10 or 15 movies on there where I'm like, literally, you could put a gun to my head now and the plot isn't coming back. It's the mm. worst, isn't it? Like that worst feeling yeah. when you're watching a movie and you're like, oh, there's just nothing here. Mm. You'd rather uh, it be shit because then you've at least yeah, got something fun to say. Or like campy or something like that. Yeah. Like it, the, the worst kind of movie, particularly with horror, is a boring horror Never movie. Boring it's, horror so, movie. it's actually so hard to, to to land on boring because you go either side of boring and you're having a great time with a horror movie. Yeah. Um so then next up, Phantasm, the nineteen seventy-nine uh, cult classic, which I watched for the first time. Um and it's kind of one of those ones that you go back on and you can kind of understand how it became so influential back in 1979 and how if I had seen it in the 70s or 80s, I would have probably loved it. But looking back on it now, it's kind of fucking quaint. Do you know, there's some cool practical effects, but stuff like the editing, the writing, and my God, the acting is all over the fucking shop. And I think it, um, it like a lot of horror movies, it hinges very heavily on how scared you are of the antagonist, you know? And the antagonist is this guy called the Tall Man, and I don't find him scary at all. There is a sidekick in the movie uh, who, like, is, you know, the the protagonist's 
brother's mate who is this balding yet ponytailed ice cream man who I think is playing early 20s but is clearly about 45 <laughs> and he cycles around like it's one of the old kind of ice cream things where it's like an ice cream box on a bike and he's like I was right. and I was far more terrified of that weirdo than I was of the actual scary thing in the movie um, and the one thing I will say without using the line of dialogue uh, or without using the line from the show I'm going to refer to is like Jack have you ever had that experience where a piece of media that references a movie before you've seen the movie ruins the movie in advance yeah and it's mostly because of the Simpsons yeah, well, in this case, it's because of uh, an episode of Smodcast in which uh, Brian Johnson talks about the movie Phantasm, and you know the line I'm thinking of, <laughs> and that's the only line I could think of any time the tall man showed up on screen. Um, <laughs> okay. Then, then we have the Clovehitch Killer, which is a cool, like, if you're into your kind of serial killer docs and stuff like this, this is a kind of, like, I'd almost put it as more of a thriller than a, than a horror movie. So it's about this community where there had been a, a serial killer active up until 10 years before the events of the movie called the Clove Hitch Killer, uh, uh, called as such because of the Clove Hitch knots he would use on his victims and he would also tie a knot outdoor, uh, outside of the house to kind of as his signature that he had been there. Um, you just don't get that with killers these days, do you? Like, no one's got no. a gimmick. They're just murderers. How boring yeah. is that? Um, the theatricality is gone. Yeah, where's murder, the art of the gentleman murderer? <laughs> like, it's, it's yeah. all dead, you know? Um. So, yeah, this picks up with, like, um, this young son who's in a very kind of uptight and, and religious family who are kind of like, you know, he's the good boy. And all of a sudden, he discovers evidence that someone in his family may know something or in fact be the Clove Hitch killer. Um, and it's all about, you know, him trying to figure out what the truth is. And there's also like, you know, this this girl in the in the community who's kind of, you know, an independent sleuth herself who's trying to figure it out and, you know, their fates become entwined. And the only real recognizable actor in it is Dylan McDermott, who plays this main guy's dad. Um Who's like, you know, you know, Dylan McDermott, uh, Jack, like re- renowned for being kind of just like a generic handsome man cast in things over the years. But I was kind of shook by this because he's getting, I'm, I'm sure he's in his 50s now at this stage. But this is the first time I've seen him in something where I was like, oh my God, he just looks like. Perfectly square headed. He just looks like he's finally aged. And I think it's partly like he's gone from the... Usually when I see him and things, he has like the permanent five o'clock shadow uh, look. Whereas in this, he has kind of like a dad goatee and he's wearing the big chunky glasses. And he's great in it, I will say. Like, there's not a huge amount to write home about the movie, but he... Dylan McDermott is fantastic in it as like creepy Ned Flanders, basically, <laughs> is the best way to put it. Um, So yeah, I liked that. Um, what else do I have on the list? I have Slacks with two X's, which is a movie about haunted trousers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my friend. What if a pair of jeans started killing people? <laughs> Amazing. I'm in. I'm now more I'm more excited than anything you've talked about up to this point it's already. One of the dumbest premises I've ever heard, and they lean in it's so fucking ridiculous and i love like again if you like that kind of thing where it's like you know if you like movies like did you ever see rubber Jack, yes the one with the tire the, yep 
Yes, it's it's in that vein. Like it knows. It's very aware that it's a dumb movie about spooky pants. <laughs> but it just it just goes with it. And I had a fucking great time. It's less than 90 minutes long and it's just elaborate ways and my god the kills are gruesome as well which i think they kind of have to be to make it very silly you know yeah um, does someone get their 501s turned into 499s at some point so yeah there's somebody who gets crushed to death while wearing the pants there's also people who get strangled by the pants um <laughs> with like legs round head um, it's just a bit so like, many people die so like in the simpsons where like uh, where snake's head starts starts trying to kill homer dude it's so good and it's all set in this one like uh hipster store where it's like the night of this new launch but it's like this these pants are haunted and they don't know <laughs> and they do a lockdown on the store because the merch is so exclusive they don't want the footage getting out ahead of time but because they've locked themselves in the pants are free to roam and murder everybody brilliant it's oh my god it's fucking dumb as a box of rocks and what i love was i wrote in my letterbox review is like right at the end like and it is kind of hinted at at the start but at the end they really tried to whip some message at you about consumerism and um, no don't give me that shit just give me the murderous pants i don't (laughs) care about your bullshit and and, and sweatshops and things like that come on movie Yeah, you don't have things, to try and teach us things. Those things are horrible, but don't you think if we could sweatshop in a movie about murderous fucking trousers? Like, come oh on my now. god, it's so fuck. I loved it. Yep. It's just, it's just a. Oh, I mean, you're not. Ridiculous. It's not going to get any better than that. Like, there's no point no. in talking about any other movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have one left. In terms of rating, it's one that's higher, but Outrageous. it is a very serious movie. No, how can you? That. How can you disrespect the pants like this? That was that. Should, I know. I know, man. That should have been the Sl- encore. <laughs> Slacks with two X's. <laughs> that sounds Great like a stuff. fucking early 2000s metal band as well. Slacks, it's so good. Dude. I was going to say it sounds like an early 2000s British wrestler. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're going to um, tell me this other so movie's the- actually good now and that you enjoy yeah, it. So yeah, so the, yeah. the other movie's actually good and that is Possum, which is oh, okay. uh, the the writing, uh, well, the feature-length writing and dire- directorial debut of one Matthew Holness, a.k.a. Gareth Marenghi himself. See, I told you I was going back to that. Uh, yeah. So, I don't want to say a lot about what this film is about. I can tell you, as I did in our group chat this week, that Mark, under no circumstances should you ever watch this film, lest you be hospitalised. I'm happy to take your advice on that. Um, But it is a very tense and anxious and creepy movie that has a real, like, palpable grime to it. And it's about this guy played by Sean Harris, if you know him. Very creepy face. God bless him. Um, and he is a puppeteer, oh, um, but also a resident creepy man. Yep. And he's making something that he's hiding in a really beat up leather bag um, that he keeps trying to like redo or get rid of or something. It's very mysterious. He's living in this grotty house with this guy who's like not his father, but is his father figure, um, even though he himself is in his like mid 40s and then children start disappearing in the area and then you're seeing all sorts of like horrible visions of like 
him opening the bag in the woods at night and like spindly giant spider type legs emerging from the the bag and yeah it's i really don't want to get too much into it like look up the 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 teaser trailer on youtube which doesn't give away any of the plot really is is very good um at kind of giving you a feel for the movie um the performances like there's really only you know, uh, Sean Harris and the guy who who plays that father figure are the only people that have more than a handful of lines of dialogue in it. Alan Armstrong, apparently. Yeah, Alan Armstrong. I couldn't think of his yeah. name. Not, but Alan with a U, because I'm pretty sure Al- yeah. Alan Armstrong uh, is another guy altogether with an mm. A. Um, yeah, re like it, it's the best like out and out horror I've seen of the lot. Um, do you know, I think for rewatchability and just having a bit of fun, Slacks is where you want to go. Bus. Yeah, I I feel like um, I want to see slacks. Oh mate, you you do want to see slacks. I do want to see slacks. <laughs> uh, I'll never uh, look at a pair of trousers the same way again. And I work around a lot of trousers. Yeah. Have uh, have either you watched any of Squid Game yet? No, it's on the list. I've been kind of trying to finish watching Sex Education, and then also briefly this week got sidetracked by starting to rewatch Taskmaster. <laughs> As you do naturally. Well, the whole thing all the way through again. Yeah, yeah, I'm already up to season four. I mean, holy shit, man! That's... Yeah, well, I'm, I, I've been, I've been off work all week. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm, uh, I, I had to take annual leave for a week and a half because I have too much of it left over for this time of year. Yep. So You're I'm just being at home all day. Spending it well, then. Yeah, yeah. That well, it's not like I can fucking go anywhere, Mark. Yeah, that always <laughs> happens to me where I just got too much holiday left and I just shunt it at the end of yeah. the year. Because as I, like my work's policies and isolation when I come back are so tight that I, I like. I can't really leave the country oh, for the rest right, of the year because right. I'd have to isolate for longer than I have left of my holidays when I get back. I, I see. Unless it. I wanted to turn around the airport and come straight home immediately. As, as someone who is blessed by a permanent remote working situation, I uh, I can't fully emphasize yeah. emphasize with. Yeah. Uh, as yeah, someone who lives in the country yeah, that doesn't give a top any fuck about COVID, yeah. <laughs> I can do whatever I want now. I've got my two jobs because yeah. I'm invincible as, now, boys. Yeah. Well, as I learned by uh, you know I was telling you guys a bit a very belligerent Englishman in my local McDonald's at the weekend yes, Jesus. who was insisting Ireland was a prehistoric country for still giving a shit about other people's health and safety for wearing masks yeah and then he got knocked the fuck out oh good anyway uh, Jack what have you been watching <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is apart from Slacks. I mean, I'm now. Ne- I've already. I was watching Slacks while you were talking about the next movie. <laughs> I'd started watching it. No, I I started watching the Morning Show, um, which is an Apple TV drama starring Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, uh, Google and Bath Raw, uh, Steve Carell, and like quite a few other really good actors and stuff. And it's it's something that I'd heard. At the start, when the show started, like, not great things about, like, people... What, wasn't that, like, one of the first Apple TV exclusives? Like, it was one of the, this is what you're going to get if you sign up for Apple TV. Yeah, pretty much. They whipped their uh, their dick out and put it on the table with, like, Jennifer Aniston and, and, and Reese Witherspoon. And you know what? It, it does start off a bit superficial. Like the, So the, the, the basic premise of the show is that... Uh, Steve Carell and Jennifer Aniston host this morning show called The Morning Show, funnily enough, uh, on like whatever the number one network is in this fictional world, which I think is called UBS. And right at the very beginning of the first episode, so no spoilers here, Steve Carell gets Me Too'd. 
essentially. So he gets fired and that's the rest of the season is basically a sort of like fallout for what happens with his situation with this Me Too thing. So they start it off and it's kind of like, at first, you know, everyone's reactions to it are kind of predictable where they're like, okay, well, you know, we're going to condemn it, but we need to carry on with the show and, you know, move everything forward. And, you know, they, they basically Reese Witherspoon gets introduced and sort of by chance ends up as like the co-host of the show. And then it's like her and Jennifer Aniston's relationship and stuff. And at that point, it's pretty good, but it's quite surface. Like, there's bits and pieces going on. But then as the sort of series, like, dribbles on, and, like, more and more of the things about how much of an absolute monster Steve Carell is gradually come out and, like, intertwine with everybody in the show, it just creates this, like, beautiful mess of, like, a horrific storyline that um, mostly Reese Witherspoon spends trying to unpick with with um, other of the main characters and it's just really really compelling like I watched the first episode or two and I'm like you know what I, I could kind of take or leave this so I could see why like initially people watched that show and they were like Meh. but when you get into it it's just so like the acting is is brilliant like everybody is fucking bringing their a-game to it it's really disconcerting to see Steve Carell be a massive creep slash pervert and there is like one of the most sort of horrible um, predatory scenes you can imagine between Steve Carell and Guga and Bathorol, which is just God, it makes your fucking skin crawl. Like it's horrible. So you're saying for people to prepare for more Foxcatcher Steve Carell than The Office Steve Carell, yeah? Exactly. Yeah, but Foxcatcher, he was a bit nuts. Like yeah. you know, I mean, he's a I bit- actually only. I actually only finally watched that document, the Netflix documentary, recently. Yeah, about Team Foxcatcher. It was very good. Yeah, is that the thirty for thirty, or is it just like a different uh, one altogether? Let me find out. Um. So yeah, the thirty for thirty is if it's that, it's it's very good, and I, I've seen it. Um, and enjoyed it uh, a great deal. But yes, Steve Carell is because the thing is in this he. It's it's seeing like behind the scenes of like what the fucking people that like end up in a situation like this all of the straws that they start clutching at all of the shitty situations that they put themselves in and and the impact that of horribleness that they've just generally had on all the people around them who've completely enabled their behavior for all this time how much of a like massive egomaniac he was and then just seeing kind of being brought to like a blubbering bloodied mess at the end of the season was incredibly satisfying and uh, it does kind of show that Steve Carell has like a really good range for acting. I think the star of the season um, is Gugu and Bathoraw. Like she's not too heavily featured at the start, but towards the end she becomes like a central pillar in in the story of what's going on with like two warring factions within this network. Uh, and just the things that happen to her character are just yeah, it's it's really really interesting it's really well done and i would thoroughly recommend it for anybody that kind of likes a a sort of meaty drama to to get their teeth into because it's only one series but it kind of reminded me a little bit of the um of the sense i had when i watched uh big little lies it's a little bit like that um i would but if anything i would say kind of more grounded in reality and less floaty and dreamy um, but some of the, the composition work, the shots and stuff on the show, it, it just looks incredible and it feels 
real like it feels all believable all the things that all the characters are dealing with and it does feel like a genuine peek behind the scenes like the executive tv network executive characters in it like i just you know there's one who's just a horrible person a horrible piece of shit and then there's one who is a bit of a horrible piece of shit but you like him more because he's like a bit enigmatic and strange with it so he kind of gradually grows on you as the show gets going but yeah it's it's a really good show um and I I don't know how much of the negativity around it when it first came out that I heard affected me from kind of going in to watch it because um, I have like that deal with Apple where you get like Apple Arcade, Apple Music, Apple TV all in for like, I think it's like 15 quid or something because um, I was paying a, a tenner for the music side of it anyway. So I was just like, yeah, what the fuck? I'll throw down a few more, a few more bones and get all of this stuff, all of the games and other bits and pieces. But it was really worth it, and uh, yeah, I, I highly recommend from me. It's it's a fucking fantastic series. That and Ted Lasso, it's worth getting Apple TV, even if you only get it for like a month or two. But just binge the fuck out of Ted Lasso and the Morning Show. I'd recommend. Uh, Mark, let's pivot to video games. We haven't heard from you in a in a few. Hello. All right. So <laughs> Mark felt the need to reintroduce himself because <laughs> Dave spent all that time talking about murderous pants before I started talking about creepy Steve Carell. <laughs> yeah. So I've been playing a game called Eastwood, um, for which I'm about 15 hours or so into this now. Wow. Uh, you're bought in heavy. I was playing it through my uh, adventures across Italy and I'd, I'd read some reviews about it not too long before we left and uh, I needed some things to play while I was gone. And Toem was one of them that I talked about last week. Uh, and the other is this game called Eastwood, which it's uh, it's like a top-down 2D action adventure with some... It very It's very focused on the narrative. And you kind of look from the outside looking in, you think it's, it's, it's a JRPG. And very much a lot of the presentation is. But the, the kind of the flow and the mechanics of it has it more in line with a... Um, uh, a Zelda game in terms of the combat, but definitely there's a lot of story going on, and as I'll kind of talk about, far too much story going on. Um, you play as uh, John and Sam. Uh, John is a, a guy, and he's like he's I want to say late thirties to early forties. Uh, he is a silent protagonist. He's the only character in the game that doesn't talk. And Sam, I think she's about ten. And she's very, you know, eager and hyperactive and excited to see everything. And she has some sort of special ability with being able to, you know, do a fucking Kamehameha energy beam out of the hands. But up until this point, 15 hours in, hasn't really been explained how or why that's the case. Um, the two of them lived in this place called Pockrock Isle that was underground. The world is, is post-apocalyptic, and up until this point, I still haven't explained to me why we're in a post-apocalyptic world. Uh, at the start of the story, neither of them, as far as I can see, um, had ever seen the outside world, had seen blue sky. You know, just they're, they're in a small community living underground, um, not having a lot to, to kind of really live for and not having a lot of money. Um, they end up being exiled within their first kind of hour or two, and then their adventure, as in in the title, they're going eastward. Um, not really with any kind of plan in mind, just you know, they've been exiled and they're going eastward and we'll see what happens. The big issue that I need to address is the fact that 
some 15 hours into what I'm apparently told is about a 30 hour game, it is incredibly slow moving in terms of getting to the point of what it is that I'm actually trying to do, what the kind of main objective of this game is. It still hasn't been laid out at this point. And part of the issue is that certain like dungeons that you go around are just a little bit longer than they need to be. And you it's a lot of that like, oh, here's the area that I need to go to, but I need to go all the way around to get to that area. Um, and certain areas have a fair bit of backtracking as well that just pads out the time that just really doesn't need to be there. And the real big issue is that so many of the conversations that you have and so much of the, the, the dialogue that happens... There's just where a conversation and the point that's being trying to be made could happen in two or three sentences or two or three text boxes, like 10 text boxes later, they're still going and you just, you get to the point where you're hammering down the A button. Cause it's like, all right, I get the point of what, what's happening here. All of this is unnecessary conversation. It doesn't serve anyone. It doesn't help anyone. And it just happens so much that it's like now some 15 hours in, I'm kind of getting a bit fed up with it. And I'm just like, okay, at this point, for the amount of investment I've put in with hours, I really should be getting back some kind of like clear indication, like what the fuck are we doing here? Is it um, not? Because um, like, I know you became story game guy Robinson. Is it like not compelling enough to really like, you know, buy into the shit that's giving you the not really game. because it's not giving enough like breadcrumbs to give you a clear indication of like what this is all leading up to, and the, the dialogue like there there are some part there are some conversations had that are pretty well put together, but a lot of it just it's just unnecessary and 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 not compelling in any way, um, and that's causing me to have this issue that where I am right now where I'm like. Do I want to put another 10 to 15 hours in when I know there's a whole bunch of things I need to play before the end of the year? And I'm just getting to the point where I'm like, I'm I'm not feeling it. And it's a shame because there are certain things that are great about it. Like the overall presentation, like visually, um, a lot of people made the comparisons like, hey, if you had a Studio Ghibli game that was done in pixel art, this is what it would look like. And it's not far off. Like there's so much detail in the environment and so many of the characters have these animations that just bring them to life a little bit more and there's just these extra little details that you don't always get um and it has an incredible soundtrack that goes oscillates between um you know that kind of bright and breezy chiptune sort of style you would associate with this type of game and how it looks but it, it can it, it there are certain tracks that um bring to mind like Silent Hill in like the eeriness and the darkness that it, it, it you know, completely took me by surprise. Um, and, and it does a really good effect. It does a r- r- really effective job of kind of going between these two or sometimes actually kind of meeting in the middle. Uh, and I think it does a really strong job. And like, you know, when it comes to game of the year, soundtrack wise, there's a lot of stuff that I want to pull from this and talk about. And, um, and the other big issue as well, and talking about, Part of the reason why some 15 hours in, um, not feeling the, the investment is that the combat never advances past. So, John has a frying pan. That's his main weapon that he can cook with and he can fucking twat people with as well. Have Player Unknown's Battlegrounds tried to sue him yet for that by any chance? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. No. Um, but, like, the combat, and, and I mentioned uh, Legend of Zelda, and it is pretty much, you know, you have this sort of like eight directions that you can attack in. 
um, and there are bombs that you can use as well. But, you know, Zelda, uh, Link gets all these other different weapons that he can use that usually help towards, like, puzzles in these temples as well, where there are no additional weapons that you get, and all of the puzzles are based on the fact that you and Sam, um, at some points, there might be a switch that you need to go with one character to use that then opens up a door somewhere else in the area that the other characters can go through. Mm. And a lot of the puzzles are based on that kind of thing, and they never really advance past that. So the puzzles are pretty similar throughout and nothing has been, you know, taxing enough that I've been stuck for more than 30 seconds to a minute. And because the combat doesn't advance past that, it's just, you're just going into the room and there are creatures and you're trying to swat them away with your frying pan. And Sam does have her energy beam that can stun lock uh, creatures for a few seconds, but that's it. You know, that that's as far as it gets. And so for all the minor enemies, you just get to the point you're like, you're just walking past them because it's just, there's no reason to kind of stick around and, and try and deal with them because the combat's just not that compelling. The boss fights, on the other hand, the boss fights are great and there's some really good boss designs um, and there's some really, you know, there's a little bit in there in terms of tactics that you need to incorporate to try and figure out how to defeat these enemies, uh, the bosses. Um, and the, and the, the overall presentation looked really good as well. So it, it gets a thumbs up there. But overall, I'm just, I'm at the point where I don't want to spend any more time with it at this junction because, um, you know, I'm still trying to finish Psychonauts 2 and fucking Metroid is out today as a recording and, you know, there's a bunch of other stuff as well. So I do feel a little bit disappointed that I've put this amount of time in and at this moment, I'm just like, I don't want to go any further with it because it's just not... It's just not giving me enough, you know. Like I'll, I'd be trying to finish. <laughs> Mark, it, it sounds like everyone that's ever it. broken up with me. What you're saying now? <laughs> 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 you're just so, not giving me enough, and I put all this time into you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it it does have some high points. There are some things that I will probably talk about at the end of the year, but just overall as a complete package. Maybe there's something later on that kind of brings it all together, but it's just not happening at this point. So. Um, yeah, that's that's disappointed me quite a bit. Eastward mm. and down, then I take it. So it, for for me this week, it's kind of uh, yeah, it's with that similar. I see the end of the year coming, so I need to start rolling back and beating some stuff that I'd put on the long finger. So Disco Elysium a couple of weeks ago was part of that. Um, and this week, I kind of in my gap of deleting FIFA in advance FIFA 22 which I have been playing a good bit but I've only played career mode so I'm not going to talk about that game until I've actually tried some other modes on it um, I played uh, through the entirety of Ratchet and Clank uh, Rift Apart um, and I'm now one trophy shy of the Platinum uh, which is irritating because the trophy is a little bit bugged uh, so, so you can't get it yeah. No, well, I don't know if I can get it or not, but I'm going to keep trying and maybe start the challenge mode to to do it if it's a new game that I need to do. Um, but it's like the last one is like uh, to kill enemies with returning shots on the void reactor. But for some reason, I've definitely killed more than 10 enemies with it and it hasn't popped yet. I think I had that exact same issue as well. Did you get it eventually? I or did, did yeah. It? I have the platinum, but... Yeah. Yes, I think that exact one, for some reason, and I can't tell you why, it no. just did not register. I think I actually yeah. mentioned this in our DMs at the time, because I was trying to do it in, um, 
you know the the kind of Star Wars canteen looking area, and you've got yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's I, like there there's one challenge in that where you can spam uh, doing it because there's enemies that throw projectiles yes. that in one of the rounds. It's exactly where I was trying to do it, and at some point it registered it, and I was able to do it, but. Yeah, so I think yeah. like I might just sit down for an hour and just keep like brute forcing it because that's what happened with it. There's another one for killing five of the Grunthors, and I had definitely killed at least five, and it was a good while like after killing five where I kept going back to the same area where I knew there was one and killing the same one over and over again before it popped. Um, so I think it might be a similar thing where like whatever way it counts it is a bit fucked. Um, they should have sorted that by now. Like the game's yeah, been out you'd a think- good while. But I guess, like, it's, what, less than 10% of players probably have the platinum on it, so it's probably not something that's been widely reported. Well, I know, Mark, you're not, like, a particular platinum enthusiast, but I, I hear Mark mm. has it, and I think maybe, like, do lots of people try and hunt down this platinum? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's one of those games where once you've done a single playthrough of it, you're, even without really trying, you're about 80 to mm. 85% of the way there. Um, and it doesn't do the whole, hey, you need to do the... Because any platinum that asks you to do a whole new game plus no i I don't want to play through a game twice in succession it's just not going to happen if they're saying that it wants me to do you know pretty soon after you've started a new game plus sure fine whatever um but yeah ratchet and clank is is a a fairly so it's so it's 18 percent of players have it which is very high for a platinum yeah but still like in terms of the player base low you know yeah i guess so um um but yeah like it's a very enjoyable game it looks great um like i don't think it's something that's so good i'm gonna want to return to it or you know look at it on the like do you know like the way we we talk about astrobot a lot or just like we're so warm thinking about astrobot i think like as the months pass rift apart will like fade away from my memory and i i don't feel a grow once especially once i get the this last trophy to ever necessarily go back to it again but it was fun while i had it um I don't think it's going to be particularly high on my game of the year le- list, but it's definitely well above okayest game status. Um, yeah, just just a good time. Um, For me, a, the, the lack of the Groovytron really hurt. Yeah, but some of the like the post-game weapons you get and the challenge mode weapons, like the Pixelator, are pretty good. And if you start the like, if you start that challenge mode, I had a little bit of a dip into it to look. You can get like Omega versions yeah. of loads of the weapons and stuff. So that that's cool that there's still an ongoing challenge if you really love your fucking Ratchet and Clank. Um and you know the mechanics in it were great i think something that really makes the game a lot of fun is when you get the uh like the your your basic your your rocket boot upgrades that you can just like boost around the area and do wild flips and shit like that and then incorporate using those boosts into your combat and shit like that that's good stuff i i i enjoy that and the trophy hunt was not too perilous really like most of the stuff i think the only one that i found really annoying was where you have to go to those two levels that have the blitz quartz and you have to hit all of them and it's like there's no actual thing for telling you which ones you've hit and you haven't so you basically have to 
like keep a manual count going across the map to make sure you fit every single one of them on two different worlds that's a little bit of a fuck but i guess compared to some of the platinums i've gotten in the past it's not, it's not bad at all did like, you did you find I have platinums that like 0.5 percent of players have did you find the 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 puzzle sec- sections with clank to be just a little bit tedious um I to me I didn't think they were long enough to annoy me but they were kind of yeah like there was never a sense of I think there was a couple of them that were a little bit like ah fuck you know like it's just a, <laughs> yeah. yeah but I guess I kind of wanted them to be more challenging and but I I need to remind myself that these are aimed at children. Yes, I I, you know? I, I feel and like they the need... issue is they didn't advance them enough to make them like it got to the point where it's like okay I clearly see what it is that I need to do I just need to actually do this now and it's just taking forever to get there. Yeah, rather than challenging, I'd say a couple of them were a little bit annoying. Yeah. Um, and the kind of oh god, what are those other mini games? The like the virus ones. I actually quite like the virus ones, but I feel they were a bit clunky in their execution. Yeah, a little bit. Some cool ideas uh, in it. Um, but those ones I found even more repetitive than the Clank ones. Yeah. Like, at least at least the Clank ones every so often introduced a different type of ball or a different type of, you know, puzzle bit. So I felt they were trying to iterate a bit better, but the, the virus ones felt incredibly repetitive by comparison. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, just a just a really fun game, and I, I think it was one of those where I can always tell that combat um, was well thought of when I actually, throughout the course of the game, ended up using most, if not all, weapons fairly regularly, rather than just sticking, you know, like, in a lot of games that involve weaponry, when you end up just sticking with one or two, out of, like, out of just, oh, these are the only two that are any good. Um, but I found myself using loads of them i fucking love the ricochet gun yeah it's great so much and the very satisfying noise of the ricochet gun when it was ready you know when it was giving you the little indicator to to hit the trigger again the topiary sprinkler was great um yeah there's low and then when you eventually get the rhino as well you're basically opening a black hole above somebody's head and just shit is falling out of it onto their heads yeah some really good like you said no groovatron which is sad but i i think they they did a very good job with the the weapons in that game and i'll tell you what apart right. from the fucking void reactor give me the epoxy trophy I, you cunt i tell you what though right like <laughs> you get certain areas of the game where you've just got a ton of enemies on the screen and you're just pumping like ammunition like left right and center not even a single frame of slowdown at all no yeah just seamless and it became all the more apparent to me so i bought the um the spyro remastered trilogy collection for switch Mm. boy that fucking thing is janky i've not played it's it's not i i had it on ps4 and it's not I didn't experience giant. Now again, I was on PS4 Pro yeah, at the yeah, time. Yeah, I'm playing the Switch version. It's been a while since I yeah. played a game that's had that level of jankiness. But I tell you yeah. what, it becomes all the more apparent after you play something like Ratchet and Clank and how just yeah. smooth that experience is. From Ratchet and Clank to Ratchet Jank. Way. Hey, here he is. Um, Jack, what have you been playing? Yeah, I was just nodding at that pun. Very good. Um, so what I've been playing, I've been playing two games. I finished and completed very quickly the Life is Strange uh, True Colors DLC Wavelengths, 
which uh, as somebody who bought in pretty damn hard and had a hell of a few days playing Life is Strange True Colors, um, I was an absolute git for getting this DLC done as possible, uh, as soon as possible, and loved it. So the DLC kind of centers around Steph, who is one of the main love interests in uh, Life is Strange True Colors, and also was a fringe character from Life is Strange Before the Storm. Uh, and what the game does that's pretty cool is it kind of bridges the gap between uh before the storm and the events of life is strange true colors quite nicely and you get like little like flashbacks and hints to characters in the past but it's all set within the record store that's you find steph working in where she's a half record store clerk half radio dj which to me sounds like a fucking ideal like i i get to play music out to people and tell them what to listen to but i also get the fun of working in a record shop at the same time like only in a small town in america would this be a possible career but i it just signed me up for it because yeah it looks like it's 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 super cool but um it unfolds like over the course of a year of her life so you get like different points in time so um steph is uh, a lesbian character and uh you know one of the first points in time for her is pride then we get like halloween and then christmas and stuff and and just we get like the different parts of the year and it's a lot a a lot of isolation because there's a lot of her like in the booth and you get to you know choose different songs that you could queue up like there's some cool stuff in there there's like foals uh hot chip um like portugal the man like a bunch of uh, soccer mummy like a bunch of like pretty cool hipstery bands from like the last 15 20 years of music that you know you would know and you get to queue the vinyls up and play them out on the radio which is pretty cool but what it is i think is an excellent exploration into a character who's clearly had a lot of trauma and has been running for like the last sort of five years of her life. Like she's been running, she's running away from all the problems that, that happened in the story of the life is strange, which, you know, I won't ruin for you who haven't played it. Um, you should play it. It's a, it's a good story. Um, and she, you know, she's, she goes on like forms a band with somebody in Seattle and they have this relationship, her and this other person, and then they break up as well. And like, she ends up here in, in, in Haven Springs in, in much the same way that kind of Alex, the main character of Life is Strange, True Colors does. And she's just spent all this time running and all this time going through like all these quick scenarios. And all of a sudden she's in a she's in a job where she is confronted every day with barely seeing any people. The only people that call her up are like on the radio. People call her and she does psychic predictions. But to do it, she has like a Dungeons and Dragons 20 sided dice. So she throws a D20 dice or whatever every time decides what, what people's futures are. And again, because it's a small town in Colorado, people are like, oh, you know, I guess I've got nothing else to do. I'll ring into the station. But it's a good character study in dealing with trauma and a good explanation as to why you really kind of shouldn't run away from issues and problems that you've had. It's like, it, it's a good idea about, I, I, and it's something that I thought when I was playing it, is that like, if anybody has anything kind of going on in their lives or any bits and pieces that not necessarily have been running from, but they've just been pushing stuff down and, you know, kind of treating it as like something that they can just throw ahead to the back of your mind, like being able to spend that time with yourself and and confront those horrible things that have happened or the trauma or anything sad that you've had kind of in your life happen to you Uh, and it kind of shows the different stages of how long that takes 
and trying to figure everything out and like the, the the loneliness that can sometimes exist and then i think there's like one of the good um kind of allegories for internet dating and there's like this is like a lesbian version of tinder that you can set up a profile on in which she refers to herself as a dj and a, and a gay disaster which I, I quite enjoyed um and it's just how like lonely the whole uh, internet dating thing can kind of make you feel as well. Like that you, you do the swiping and you have the conversations with people and you can choose the dialogue and it's it's pretty cool. Um as a pretty interesting gimmick for anyone that's ever been involved in that internet dating scene. It's kind of depressing. Um and I think she comes to that conclusion by the end of it. Um but yeah, it's it's just a very interesting character study. And one of the things I really like about Life is Strange when they don't have the gimmick is that they're just very well-told stories. So, like, before the storm, um, the Rachel Amber and Chloe story, there was no, like, superpower or gimmick. It was just a character study. Um, Yeah, there was, like, a a thing with Chloe where you could choose, like, her back-talking people to try and get better situations out by just being sarcastic or whatever. But that's not... Sarcasm isn't a superpower, despite what some people on the internet may think. Um, And... God damn it. (laughs) Yes, sorry, sorry, Dave. (laughs) And this is that as well. It's just a brilliant character study. It's all set in one place. It's all in a DJ booth. It's different parts of someone's life as they move gently through trauma and emotions and just generally spritz themselves up. And it takes you right up to the point when she first meets Alex in the game. Now, when Alex and Steph's relationship in the game starts blossoming, it's because you can tell Steph is like this really interesting, really fun character who's got like an amazing, interesting past and has all these great stories to tell. But you find her as this fully rounded person who's kind of happy and comfortable within herself. When she gets this job at the start of the game, she's not that person at all. So it's like a real development of her to get her from one place to the other to get her to the point where when she meets Alex she's happy and she's okay and I just think it's like a great example for people that if you're not okay now you will be in the future when you fucking figure your shit out like it's it's a real good message and uh, you know it's like really it's a really queer positive game as well like uh, it, just everything about it I think is is just spot on life is strange and it's maybe five six hours long and I guess it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense if you hadn't played um true colors but you can play it without playing true colors first even though that's a bit weird if you played before the storm because it it kind of brings those two things in together but yeah just absolutely thumbs up and i really you know deck nine have really taken over the life is strange mantle from don't nod and done a fantastic job with it so i even though ea have kind of boxed don't nod out from making any more life is strange games i do feel quite comfortable that if anything gets made in the future we'll have uh, somebody that's kind of respectful of the of the lore and the characters from that series. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is uh, a big positive. And the second thing I've been playing is Far Cry Six, guys. It's out. Can you believe it? I'm sure everyone's really hyped. <laughs> now, and let me tell you, those reviews today really increase that level of hype. Yes, um, I. Look, for, so, so for the first half of that hour, uh, first half hour of that game <laughs> is very much, look, everybody, we've got Giovanni Rabisi. He's here. It's him. You've got Giovanni Rabisi? Giovanni Rabisi. <laughs> I've fucking lost it. I'm done. Giancarlo Esposito. My brain is absolutely in another out fucking... I, I, I just, I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, God. Why Giovanni Rabisi? Oh, Giancarlo Esposito. That is a different game yeah that would be a different game you know it, it, I, I got it i'm a dictator um yeah kip reigns anyway dictator kip reigns 
I'm a fucking dictator, okay? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Giancarlo, we've got Giancarlo Esposito, basically, and we are going to batter as much Giancarlo Esposito into your face as possible because we probably spent a shitload of money on him. Like, the renders of him and stuff in the game look incredible. It's an interesting story. Like, he's a dictator of this small island, and everybody... <laughs> I think you've killed Dave. Yeah, Dave's still laughing, yeah. And everybody is, like, sort of in opposition for him. You're kind of leader of the resistance force. And up to that point, it's it's pretty cool. It's, it seems like an interesting story. But then it just turns into a Far Cry game, which is you got this big open map and there's loads of things you could do on it. And, you know, the, the character, the, the time you spend with the characters is, is more limited unless you just want to fly through the game, which they kind of almost don't encourage you to fly through a Far Cry game. Like, they want you to stick around and do all the shit in it, which is, you know, I, I, I enjoy them. I, I enjoy the brainlessness of it sometimes. Like, I can't play an Ubisoft game more than once every two or three years, and I usually choose the Far Cry games because they're usually pretty fun. Um, the first thing I did was become friends with a crocodile, which is uh, fantastic, and that's, like, my pet that I can kind of walk around and basically instead of shooting people i've just been sicking a giant crocodile on them and and believe me that hasn't got old yet i'm sure it will at some point but i'm really enjoying that um and yeah it's i can see why the reviews have been lukewarm um because after all the interesting bits and pieces up front with the storyline and the dictatorship and this that and the other uh it just becomes a far cry game and you're like okay it sounds like every Far Cry game at this point yeah. where it's just like, oh, this is an interesting 20 minutes. And then, oh, Far Cry. Yeah. And then I'm sure the last 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. will come back in. But um, there's a lot of Giancarlo Esposito in the game, you know, coming over the... And, and, and not, not Giovanni Ribisi. I, I could not be clearer <laughs> on that. Um, I think the only way you could have topped that is if you said, like, Gilbert Gottfried or something. Yeah, Ah! Oh my god! It would be it would be so good if you've accidentally spoiled the game and Giovanni Ribisi is in fact it at the end of the game. Yeah, the main bad guy. So there's a cool moment with him because it's, it's like him and his son are like you know on posters. It's very sort of North Korea kind of kind of shit that they're doing with them. But um, one of the reasons they bring him into the game early is because uh, when Giancarlo Esposito's dictator is like attacking the city to kind of drive the guerrilla rebels out. He, uh, his son decides to try and escape with the Greers on a boat and like he turns up on the boat and, and kind of picks his son out who obviously is very anti his father's regime and the establishment that he's trying to set up um, which is pretty cool it's an interesting dynamic into the story but yeah like you say Dave it'll probably be like 5 or 10 hours before I get a satisfying continuation in the story and I started playing it off and I'm kind of enjoying it and you know getting into it and it's it's a Far Cry game and all of that good stuff I don't know if I feel like I get like a platinum medal or like you know fully complete this I, I might I might bounce off it a bit but you know I I still do like that franchise it's still something that you know I, I may be one of the few people left that kind of still is excited or interested to kind of get involved with a Far Cry game at this point but hey I'm, I've enjoyed it so far it's given me what I want and I have a pet crocodile so I don't give a fuck and, that, and by the way Giovanni Ribisi is not in this game so yeah that's Far Cry 6 so, so far. far so far yeah so- yeah, <laughs> you can't rule it out. You don't know for a fact, Jack. That is true. I haven't played enough into it. Uh, maybe he did like a. Maybe he voices the crocodile. I don't know. Oh, holy shit! 
I haven't laughed like that in a while. Thank you for that. <laughs> I really don't know what's wrong with me today. Uh, I feel like I'm... I, whatever it is, I'm a fan. Yeah, it's like 1% <laughs> of my brain is just saying the wrong thing. All the other information I've given up to this point on this podcast is sound as fuck, except that, like, honestly. Uh, and that and there's three of us, not four of us. So, yeah. Ah, oh, some great shit. Some great shit. Um, let's move into the news this week. And the first thing is, um, kind of, I mentioned FIFA 22 earlier and kind of as part of the uh, the victory lap on um, the amount of money that uh, EA are going to be making off this. They've kind of subtly teased that there might be an end to the partnership between EA Sports and the organization FIFA. Um the FIFA games have been named such since uh, I believe 1994, Jack. So 93. In that, 93. It I would had be, FIFA 93 on my Mega Drive. Ah, it would be in that way the end of an era. Um, I I do hasten to read too much much into it at this point because knowing the ways of organizations like EA and FIFA, half of me still think it's still thinks it's fucking posturing um just to see if maybe maybe the next round of you know licensing uh of the fifa name that those negotiations might be starting soon and they're looking to get a bit of a drop because the thing about it i've been like as a fifa player i'm sitting there going really apart from the name at this point the fifa game doesn't lose a lot by not being partnered with FIFA anymore because the way image rights work now with football clubs is um, EA are negotiating with individual leagues, federations and clubs and even, you know, individuals uh, themselves. So as far as I am aware, the only thing that they will lose is the FIFA name the FIFA branding, you know, on advertising hoardings and uh, the World Cup, but the actual like World Cup trophy and World Cup name, there could still be like Proio did for years, a world championship, you know, taking the place of the World Cup. But other than that, like, you know, all the licensed clubs are staying in, all the licensed, you know, national teams with their kits are done on an individual or federational basis. They st- they have the image rights for, um, obviously, the Premier League, MLS, Serie A, the Bundesliga, the Copa Libertadores, all, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, in terms of, like, what the game would lose, I'm, I'm struggling to see this as a, you know, a shocking revelation. And that might be part of EA's thinking, Mark, you know, like they're a big soulless organization themselves and they're probably like, why are we paying all this money to them? I mean, look, if you're looking at the bottom line, it makes sense. And of the things that you mentioned, I mean, there hasn't really been emphasis on the World Cup. Um, like we haven't had a World yeah. Cup game for however long. And I think the last yeah. time it was just it's, like a DLC pack, if I recall. Yeah, it's it mainly now it's just like it's there in career mode. So if you're managing an international team, you'll you'll lift the actual trophy and you'll have the World Cup video package and uh, Chirons and stuff. But like really in the grand scheme of things, and this is somebody who really like likes my shit license because it gives that authentic match day feel. Like I can't say that losing all that stuff will make me go, well, I guess I'm not getting it this year 
you know it'd be way more of a blow to me if they lost like the Premier League yeah <laughs> you yeah. know well, that, that would be the big thing like more than anything yeah. else maybe like they could sign up with UEFA like maybe Sheffern could go and snake Infantino yeah. and you get well, like UEFA 2023 yeah. or something well, well this is the thing is that they have licensing agreements so the Champions League the Europa League the Conference League and the European Championships are all in it mm. already with the like even you know when you go to play your first Champions League match of the year it does the full TV video package and everything now yeah. um so like it's it's really it's almost more FIFA need this licensing to continue than than EA do at this yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, FIFA, like, they say no publicity is bad publicity. Like, when... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> FIFA have really tested that over the years. <laughs> yeah, but when you had Blatter, our boy Blatter, like, blattering it up and... Uh, yeah. I forget Big Jack Warner. Yeah, God. <laughs> but when Blatter was blattering it up, everyone knew who FIFA was because everyone was talking about them all the time. Yeah. Whereas Johnny... Yeah, Johnny, th- this is FIFA house. Johnny Infantino, like, is like... He's like the fucking Carl Pilkington equivalent of like a man whose head looks like a tennis ball with eyes drawn on it. He's like the yeah. least memorable human being on the planet. And the yeah. only thing that people still remember about FIFA is that they have the games. And, you know, who calls the World Cup the FIFA World Cup either? No, do you know no what, one. Do you know what Jenny Infantino is? He's, do you know that episode of The Boosh where Noel Fielding keeps trying to paint? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> paint julian barrett's face but it's just like a, a just a beige yeah, circle just like a shapeless <laughs> yeah. thing yeah his yeah. hair looks like brown smoke um yeah, yeah. It, it's not really they're not really a man's eyes are they they're more of a cockerel's <laughs> yeah. eyes embedded into a man's exactly, face yeah. the tiny <laughs> eyes of a shrew um yeah it yeah I, it doesn't matter but what they're what they're gonna call it like ea sports football or something it's just yeah gonna... i mean look you know they found a you know a, Madden obviously is a good example that like people know it as as Madden rather than NFL. So like I'm sure if you just call it EA Sports Football or you find a like like you said EA Sports UEFA yeah. or well, no, I, I, I mean, don't think they'd go I don't think they'd go UEFA just because like all the non-European leagues that are licensed in it it would be weird. Yeah. How about just um, the football and then a full well, stop? Well, no. If 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 you go down the Madden route, then you got to pick the person like whose last name do you use? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Ronaldo football, yeah. uh, Messi football, um, James Milner football, Patissio. Uh, yeah, Didier Zakora football. I I don't know. Like, what are you gonna do again? Papa Booba Diop football. I, I, do you know? Do you know what they could call I'll it now? They could, call, they could call it Pez. They should. I imagine they could just call it well, Pro they, Evolution this is the football thing as well. <laughs> I was like, you know, yeah. the worst case scenario of this happening a generation ago would be like Konami buying, like going into uh, like agreement with FIFA yeah, and getting that, the that's... FIFA licensing. But then I'm just like, with the eFootball launch, it's like, honestly, fucking no. That's, like, that's, that's think... giving Konami any kind of semblance of credit yeah. that they know yeah. what the so, fuck they're doing so yeah, at the moment. So yeah, Konami are going to spend that money. And, and two, the eFootball thing has been such a fucking shit show since its launch. I'm not sure even FIFA would want to get it. I, I would that. say there is more chance that Konami would end up signing up for like the European Super League than they would being able to figure yeah. out something with FIFA. And like, it, here's the thing as well that like, um, freeing up that money that would have been spent at that FIFA license, maybe they go out and they buy back the rights to some of those Serie A clubs that they lost in FIFA, or they go and get the African Cup of Nations or something else that isn't licensed at the moment. So it actually 
could play up to the benefit of the game because that customer base is baked in. Like once Ultimate Team is still there, you know, uh, people are are buying that game. You know, I'd like to say it's career mode as the system seller, but well, I'll be realistic. I mean, honestly, I don't even think it's a case of they need to like reinvest that money. They just they're sitting on a no. pile of money with FUT yeah. that they can just take whatever yeah. money well, from FIFA, put that in their vaults, yeah, and well, move on. Here's the thing: is that like um, with the amount, I, I I think it would you know uh, I think it would be to their benefit long term because of how many like uh, as as Jack knows, American owners are getting into the Italian football game, for example, to start like making some dark handshake deals to. Uh, you know, get those teams back on side. And it also in the past has served as a, a distraction from we haven't really changed the game this year. Like the year, um, the year the Champions League and the Europa League got officially licensed, that was the big seller for the game. And it happened to be one of the most remarkably similar year on year to the point where the same bugs carried over year to year. Like they really had done nothing to it. But by spending this bit of money on the Champions League and the Europa League, they took more dimes off fucking Pez and people forgot about, you know, that they didn't really do a lot to the game that year. So, you know, in some ways, signing more of those deals and making that the the news cycle and the build up to release is uh, beneficial to them, you know? Yeah. Um, um, it doesn't matter this really, does it? No, nah. no. Uh, like, again, if the if the relationship continues, fine. Like, if this is just posturing uh, or a hypothetical, and if it doesn't, you know, FIFA will continue to make sordid cash, uh, and this EA football will be fine. Well, what I would be curious actually is, so if the the two brands, the conglomerates, went their separate ways, would FIFA try and sign up with another studio to make a football game? I, 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 I don't like again unless it was something like uh, trying to sign up with eFootball where there's something already on the go I think in this day and age the amount of cash it would take to get them to a point like where they would have enough of the market share for it to be a reward just wouldn't be worth it but I, I like even, the even, idea though that like you know whoever's running this within FIFA has no idea about games and just goes to like remedy just yeah. someone completely like, well, well this is dreams. the thing is like what I could see happening is rather than coming up with a like a competitor um, to a FIFA you would go back to the thing where FIFA would license a studio to do a World Cup game every four years oh yeah I, I, that, I think the that, that I could see happening yeah that, that I could see happening but um but I just, I want some random ass studio. I want to see Arcane Studios make a football game. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Give it to IO. Oh, wait, no, wait, wait. I've, I've got it for you, Mark. I've got the one. Good thing you're sitting down. FIFA Rocket League. Oh, could you imagine? <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine? Why not? Fuck it. At this point. Just get weird. Yeah. Just get weird. What? Oh, wait, no, sorry. FIFA Arms. There you go. <laughs> These are FIFA Let Arms. That's it in. Anyway. Yeah. Think about Helix lifting the World Cup, Mark. <laughs> oh, or them like all like at the doing like a branding where at the World Cup next year they're all standing to attention to the arms on. Them. I mean, in fairness, Helix looks like a fucking FIFA mascot anyway. So yeah, damn right. Um, our next news story: Kel Surprise, Marvel's Avengers cashing in. Um, 
So the game went on, was it last week it went on uh, Game Pass? And conveniently, right after, they essentially, like, that is, for games like that, that is a classic sign of, we know we're not going to make any more money from selling this game anywhere close to full price. So now they have added the ability to buy XP and resource collecting boosts with real money in Marvel's Avengers, which not only is reneging on a promise that they said would never happen, uh, as the Video Games Chronicle points out, but also I think to anybody who has like grinded away for XP and resources in that game is a huge fuck you and a like, for people who haven't tried out that game, is a good like yeah just don't bother trying it out (laughs) yeah they said at no point is this game ever going to be pay to win like they wrote that down multiple times yeah and now it's pay to win the second it becomes free basically for anyone to get (laughs) i i think like when you're um planning out your strategy and certainly for your community manager as well things like that blanket statements like that i think in this day and age you just can't do them because you just cannot trust the the publishers or who you know whoever made this decision also you're you're giving a lot of credit to them for having some sort of grand plan strategy at all. I, well, they did I mean, it first. In, they just didn't. They didn't strategic like strategically look at what happens if this fails. Yeah, what happens I'm if sure they weren't thinking this would bomb. Burning wreckage. Ga- the, the game has screened me from the start that there was like three different maybe teams of people who had distinct sets of ideas and none of them really spoke to each other at any stage. Would not be shocked. Yeah. Yeah. Let's face was, it. Was Avengers a bigger disaster than Cyberpunk last year? No, because oh, Avengers no. actually works. No, I mean, it's still a game. <laughs> you, know, you, can, you can still technically play Avengers. Play, and right. I will say, like, in terms of mechanically, it works. It's just fucking boring. Okay, okay, but just keep in mind, right, this is Marvel. Like, this is Marvel, yeah. like, the MCU and Marvel and everything is, like, the biggest thing for the last ten years, right? A proper yeah. fully-fledged Avengers game should have been the biggest fucking thing on the market. Yes, yeah. Cyberpunk is a, a spectacular disaster in all the ways, and maybe, like, within just the video game industry, it is the bigger disaster, but I, I think that there is a case to be made that Avengers is, like, the biggest flop of last year. The thing about Avengers was that it flopped so quickly that it it never really became a massive scandal because kind of people just went, all right, after a couple of weeks and just a lot of people just kind of forgot about yeah. it. Whereas Cyberpunk kept fucking up and making things worse and saying things and then contradicting itself. And look, only one of these two games... uh forced multiple platforms into having to review their refund policy. <laughs> Th- that's a fair point. Also, that is a fair and point. I, and I would still say that, you know, I don't have the numbers on the sheet here, but I would say that Avengers made substantially more money. Yeah, also, no, I don't think it did. I was going to say, though, Mark, uh, like, in terms of... Because, like, it, you know, I know Cyberpunk touted how much money they made at first, but that is before you factor in how many refunds were yeah, issued. Yeah, but I think the whole and point... it being removed from stores and the amount of money that they would have made from making the Game Pass deal. I think the whole point you just made there, that the fact that Avengers has come to Game Pass kind of says, like, how little more money that it is making. But, I mean, I don't know what the sales figures for Avengers are, yeah. so... The two- but you can't even buy cyberpunk on digital platforms i know i know (laughs) do do you know what i mean you can still technically like if you don't have an xbox or game pass you can still buy avengers and people still 
you know, to one extent or another, probably are playing it. But like what people, if they wanted to, can't fucking play still Cyberpunk. Playing Avengers, by yeah. the way, who are these? Yeah, it's like even if you wanted to play Cyberpunk, chances are you can't. Yeah, that is a good point. <laughs> like, I was going to say, plus the hype on Avengers was just getting colder and colder every time yeah, they release yeah. more. That's it. From the second you saw one image of that game, yeah. that was a bucket of ice water on the thing. <laughs> Whereas until like maybe was it the week or two weeks before Cyberpunk came out where people were like, I'm not sure if this Actually, game is Actually, this is fucked. Yeah. 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 But Mark's right in the sense that in, in theory, Mark should be be right like he should be the yes. rightest man on planet right right now yeah unfortunately yeah. they fucked it up so much even pre-release no one gave a shit about the avengers yeah. game which is why like it the, the reason cyberpunk is worse is because uh, so many people bought cyberpunk like it was the video games yeah. event of that year and it was an absolute disaster whereas avengers it was like after what how many weeks is it dead and keanu reeves and- T- two two or three yeah. weeks and it was just dead it was out of Charles, so, it was the, fucked. The comparison is, I guess, um, Avengers was like the slow puncture where the car just eventually just rolls to a halt and doesn't work anymore. Yep. Where Cyberpunk is your two bridge. blocks, your two blocks from your house, the car bursts into flames, falls off the bridge, then down a cliff, and does the Homer Simpson. It gets picked up and then falls off the cliff again, <laughs> and just that and over and over for months on end. Can they get Dan Castle and that, the to do is, the voice clips for that again, please? <laughs> The other thing is, like, so this story is out now and it's going to run off a bunch of players and then there are going to be some people who, oh, it's a Game Pass game, I'll throw a few a few bones on it because I didn't pay for it and stuff like that. So that'll be kind of one of those kind of games. We've seen that happen time and time before. It's worth noting that the Cyberpunk thing isn't even fucking over yet because those next-gen versions of that game are due out relatively soon. No. <laughs> Not gonna yeah, happen. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't looked at the. So that whole thing is going to happen again. I, I haven't looked at the, the roadmap of Cyberpunk for a while, but I remember yeah. seeing the roadmap, and it was kind of like, here are a bunch of things. We don't exactly know when they're going to happen, but yep. here's 2021, and yep. here have two, enjoy two to, two to three expansions as well. So like this shit is just not like it's not even close to over. No. And, like, the thing is, you know, um, Square and Crystal Dynamics will just keep on rolling. Like, if this thing gets much worse, like, you're talking about the the size of CD Projekt Red contracting massively. Yeah. Because they scaled up big time for this game, and it is going to be ruinous. Like, I'm not saying studio closure levels, because they're still making money off Witcher, and they're still making money off Gwent and and bits and pieces like that. But, like, it could be disastrous for their next five, ten years worth of business model, whereas fucking Square and Crystal Dynamics already got their money. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, they'll just, they, they, that fucking big wheel just keeps on spinning. And not much of it either. Uh, yeah, uh, the, the the whole situation is 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 it's incredibly depressing. That yeah. I, I, if someone told me like you know ten years ago there's gonna be an Avengers game and it's gonna have all the Avengers in it and and I would be so excited I'd have been like I cannot wait to play this and it sucked so bad from before it was even released that by the time yeah. it came out me and Dave were just like oh I guess Avengers is out. Yeah. Yeah, and I still insist that, like, if you play it for only 20 minutes, it's pretty uh, good. Uh, you know, it's, it's free you know I mean? now, like you, so. play, 
Yeah. I'd rather play the game um, with the fucking um, but- mystery guitar <laughs> spaceman that Mark was talking about I- last week. Yeah, I-, I will say, by the way, that like the, the uh, Xbox... Uh, Series X and S version of that game is, I think Brian was telling me, like 160 gigs, so it's definitely not oh, worth doing that to ass. your fucking bandwidth. 160 gigabytes. Phil yeah. Spencer, mate, like, literally, can we not, can we Get can we compress it somehow? Yeah. Um, How much if we take out the right, DLC shit? On. <laughs> Speaking of stories that rumble on for years, Randy Pitchford, no longer Gearbox software president. Hey, some good news in video games this week. Honestly, so, it, it's it. The only thing surprising about this is that it's happening now and not yeah, and not five years ago. <laughs> you know, no, not in the wake of alien colonial marines. Uh, not, not in the I mean, wake look, of we, like child sex drive found at medieval times. Yeah. Oh well, no, well, well, the colonial marines was a few years before. No, that, no, so, I know, yeah, but it should have been at every step on this journey. Like pretty much everything he's done since Borderlands Two. Yeah. <laughs> God, man, like that game is still so beloved. It's insane that it yeah. came from such a massive, gaping yeah. anal wound. Basically, like if you want to do another sim, like a, another uh, Simpsons parallel, uh, you know, we did in the last news story with Homer falling down the cliff. This is like since Borderlands Two came out, Gearbox have been sideshow Bob with all the rakes, pretty much, just repeatedly stepping on rakes that Randy Pitchford put there since Borderlands Two came out. Yeah. Um, he is still with the company in his uh, like in his other previous roles. What, like non-executive um, director or something? I and shitloads of money so he's, from it and does he's, nothing. So he's still the the CEO of the entertainment Ugh. wing, which is um, they're the holding company for the the developer. Um, and he's also the president of Gearbox. Um, or sorry, uh, and the president of Gearbox Studios, which is the, the film and television adaptations of their stuff that will be coming mm. out. Is it, um, it's, it's almost like... like, it, it, like it, it's safe to say it's one of those kind of like, it, it feels like in in name only, essentially, yeah. like he's being stepped out of the, the firing line. It's almost like, you know, in the way that you shouldn't let sovereign nations own football clubs, but it's okay if a sovereign nation sets up an investment fund to then purchase football club, like, you know, not that that would ever happen, yeah. Dave, but to say it did, it would be a bit like Randy Pitchford's situation right now. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Mark thoughts. Um, well, I, I guess he's going to have a bit of extra time now. And what, what concerns me though, is like, if he's the president of, and still the president of, um, gearbox studios, and this is for their film and television, like, is he going to, you know, venture further down that path? Are we going to get more? Um, are we going to get more Borderlands? Like, because obviously we've got the Borderlands film coming, but, you know, is it, are we going to get more in that regard? Is he going to go full tilt and, like, start a fucking football league? Is he going to go cra- Like, he could do anything at this point, and all yeah. of it's going to be awful. Um Hopefully, it's just the last of we hear of him. Like, I would quite like it ah. if he was to go into the shadows oh, and we never my, hear of him my, again. But that is some wishful thinking. Child. Not yeah. on no. your life, sunshine. Yeah. Yeah. Gearbox Studios um, have yet yeah. to produce anything, by the way. I just, just say it. I, I try to. They don't even have a Wikipedia page. So, yeah. Yeah. Um,. So next up, uh, and kind of one that has been uh, sort of gazumped by official confirmation, but this week the uh, the the achievements trophies list for the remastered GTA PS2 trilogy uh, leaked online, and then literally the day we were going to air, uh, Rockstar just flat out fucking announced it that it's coming soon. 
Um, and with, you know, language uh, in terms of the actual launch of uh, these games that myself and Mark were kind of going back and forth on, uh, very non-committal about the level to which this is remastered, remade. Um, it definitely, like, I, I would be leaning on the side of this being kind of like an up polished and things that are just flat out broken being replaced job rather than a full top to bottom remake of these three games. Um biggest sign of that for me being that the like the previous ports of these have all have been are are going to be removed from digital storefronts next week um but yeah i i I, like look gta3 vice city and san andreas these are my adolescence you know in three video games and it's safe to say i'll be picking these up (laughs) and playing through them again Fucking hell. I, I do I, really I, want to play through San Andreas again. I haven't touched that one for a while. When I go back, I tend to go yeah. back to Vice City. Yeah. I, It'll be interesting to see how the, the music licensing works. Yeah, the, the two things here for me. One is that um, I know I've I've played a bit of GTA 3 within the last couple of years. And it, you know, it, it holds up fine, but I do find some of the controls are a little bit clunky. Um, yeah. Certainly if you go from GTA 5 to that. And I mean, Rockstar games in terms of like the combat and the, and the shooting have never been particularly great. Um, but it's really like you go back to GTA 3 and it's really, it's a fucking struggle at points. So my one big thing will be to see if they make any improvements or try and bring some of those mechanics up to 2021 standards. And then obviously, yes, the other thing as well is like, what does the music licensing for this look like? I mean, Rockstar have more fucking money than is, is necessary. So I don't think they're strapped for cash to try and pick up all of that stuff. But then at the same time, you're looking at the lights of, you know, guns and roses, um, the what like so they had when stuff had expired they had patched stuff like Billie Jean out of those uh, those. I can think of another reason you might want to patch that out, but uh, let's not yeah. Well, well yeah. this was yeah. I mean, to be fair, like it, again, stuff that was matter of public record when the gate came out the first time, you can argue that it shouldn't have been in in the first place. But anyway, for me, as long as my city has flock of seagulls and uh, San Andreas yeah. has uh, faith no more. I'll be fine. And them bones. It's, yeah. it's very important that, that San Andreas has them bones. That's all I can tell mm. you. Um, yeah. And I <laughs> I was I, I was tweeting with a um, friend of the show, Garrett, earlier about how I, I want at least like four hours new content of Chatterbox FM. But he did make the point yeah. that, you know, considering how uh, on the nose that Rockstar yeah. are in terms of topics, it probably would just be all about Trump and would be awful and also like some of the callers on some of those shows it's gotten those parodies of people on talk radio have gotten much closer to reality in the intervening years that like you can't really parody talk radio now because it's much weirder than fake talk radio back then satire has been just absolutely murdered to death in the last sort of five ten years isn't it yeah, old Laszlo's out of work, yeah, exactly. my friends. Yeah. Like, I, I have spent far too much time in the last six months listening to uh, Knowledge Fight, which for anyone that doesn't know, um, is a show that basically recaps Alex Jones and all the ways that he's wrong. And you, you get to a, a kind of a breaking point with that. And yeah, you, you can't really parody, like, 
talk show or um you know kind of conservative right wing radio like it's 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 like the, the the Tory government at the moment. It's just beyond parody. Yeah. So also they parody themselves with the amount of their fucking dying of COVID at the moment. Yes, <laughs> like just fucking. Oh my god! Like, yeah, it's just. Oh, anyway, we could talk about that for an hour. That's um, not. But yeah. But um. But where where are you guys going to pick this up? You're going to get the Switch version or? Uh, no. Yeah. I'm probably. I'm probably getting five. Probably PS five. Yeah. 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 I reckon. Like, again, it's proportional to how much work is put into it, because, like, in theory, the idea of carrying San Andreas around on the Switch is cool, but also, if they make it look real pretty, or if I have any concerns that it's going to be, like, Spyro remastered on the Switch, I'm just going to get it on PS5. Though, like, uh, Eurogame will make the point here, and I think this was interesting to note that we've not, we've we've skipped over, is the fact that um, Rockstar have been shutting down old GTA mods and suing the developers of uh, a reverse-engineered uh, project that rebuilt GTA Three and Vice GTA Three and Vice City. Um, yeah. So, like, while it's it's pretty cool that um, that these are happening, like Rockstar have been going kind of full on Nintendo in terms of shutting yeah. down all of these types of mods and projects, and it's just, I, I guess there is a, a legal precedent where they are in their rights to do it, but at the yeah. same time. It's it's really fucking unnecessary, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah, you can do it, but why bother <laughs> doing yeah. it? Like, is it really making that much of it? Are you really that strapped for cash, Rockstar? But, like, the two or three sales you would have made, you know? Ugh, I don't know. Anyway, uh, finally, I think, and it's funny that uh, Mark put the news stories in this order because this is the one that I think the three of us collectively care the fucking least I, about. I, I these put it in stories. here just because I, I laughed. All right. Yeah, it's a slow week. So, Kingdom Hearts back catalog coming to the Nintendo Switch. The final fighter for this was part of the, the the Smash Direct. The final fighter announced for Smash was Sora from from Kingdom Hearts, and everyone was mad um, about that. And I was like. It's Nintendo. Of course the final fight yeah. was Sora from Kingdom Hearts. Well, who did you think yeah. you were going to get? I, I love that somebody was talking about uh, Sakurai, and you know how he said he was done making Smash games, like, last gen? Yeah. Um, and it's like the, the fucking galaxy brain Sakurai coming back and making a game that is actually impossible to improve or iterate upon by having absolutely everybody and everything in it and also being such a crisscross of licensing nightmares that you could never re-release the game again Yeah. <laughs> so that no matter what they can never ask him to come back now <laughs> smart that's all I'm gonna tell you yeah do we yeah. really need it? I mean, at this point, when, I mean, the, the Smash Bros. formula has just not changed, does it, for the last few games? No, it doesn't have to yeah. either. No. Like, fucking thing sells like gangbusters. I love playing it. Uh, but it is funny. Like, the character select screen, even on my giant TV, is so full that you just have to get your kind of still squinting at <laughs> it. It's just like, who the fuck is this? What, what yeah. person from what it's game? Another, another fucking... I, I do think the ult... Uh, I think we said it on the show, the ultimate troll thing to do would just have it be another Xenoblade yeah. uh, or Fire Emblem well, character after all that wasn't build. Wasn't there like a story with Sora where it was like they did a poll like ages ago that got hijacked by the Kingdom Hearts community and they voted Sora as like the one that was going to be the, you know, and then, and then Nintendo just ignored that and then decided to bring that back from like fucking ages ago and have that be the last character ah. in the game, which is just as Nintendo as you could possibly ever be. 
Good stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I just want to check, like, because of the three of us, I, I am more than confident that Dave and myself are very similar in terms of the level of apathy that we have towards the Kingdom Hearts franchise. But Jack, you, like, no interest, no ever try i kind of dabbled 1. in it 12 I, I dabbled in it and i just never really got into it it was all like keyblade this suck my balls that and i just i could never <laughs> really get <laughs> it was bold of disney to call the kingdom yeah. hearts to suck my balls <laughs> yeah exactly uh, is it just it's it's a level of whimsy that even you just can't be kingdom hearts 3.4 work the shaft no i i i think at some point i probably will um, try and get through Kingdom Hearts, but uh, it's just Nomura so does these stories that just make bollocks all sense, and I'm like, oh, do I really want to suffer through all of that time? And I don't know. I'd rather play like 17 Far Cry games, I guess, than sit through stuff that just pisses me off. But that's a real Sophie's choice there, Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Well, on that note, <laughs> that's going to do it for Link to the Cast this yeah. week. Uh, thanks for tuning in everyone uh, at Link to the Cast is where you actually no before we round up uh, I saw a tweet during the week Mark do you want to shout out we we have uh, an interesting stat for this year's listens that we want to give a big thank you to everyone for yeah so we're not quite there yet but we're pretty close to it um, we are very close to reaching our all time high listens in a in a particular calendar year which I gotta respect the hell out of within minutes Sean McGee, Sean McGee took credit for this <laughs> <laughs> within minutes very much on brand but yeah I think I think 2018 was our high year um, but yeah. yeah I was looking the other day and, and we're not too far from beating that I'd imagine we'll do it within a couple of episodes so yeah a big thank you to everyone that has listened over the years and continues to listen and support us it's very much appreciated <laughs> imagine the only people that listen to the podcast was people that like Kingdom Hearts and we've just completely lost the entire f- <laughs> so just Garrett <laughs> yeah Garrett and like and, and then obviously the other person that listened Giovanni Rabisi and he's now yeah Yes, because <laughs> he doesn't get to be in fucking somewhere. Right? Randy yeah. Pitchford is just furious yeah, right I now mean, as well. <laughs> I'll tell you what: if Randy Pitchford listened to this it's podcast still listening and had still listened, yeah, after yeah. the fucking, I was going to say slander, but that would imply anything we said was wrong or a lie. Um, but after the burials, shall we say? Yeah, yeah he's more Phil. Yeah, I, I also just want to make a point as well. Uh, so, uh, for anyone that was listening and or reading at the end of last year, we were doing a bunch of blog posts to coincide with our Game of the Year content, and uh, we will be continuing that in some form or fashion this year. And uh, I'm hoping to get a bunch of other kind of guest collaborators. Yeah, um, and we need so. to actually have a re- have a think about our game of the year show because there's a couple of categories getting 86 this year and we haven't replaced them yet. Yeah, and I tell you what, right? I'm looking at the date, the 8th of October. Like it, uh, yeah. December is going to be We're less than two. We're less than two months from the cutoff date. And I am looking at my back catalogue, and I'm just like, well, something's going to have to. It's, uh, it's an interesting. It's a thing, like. Um, we'll talk about on game of the year, I'm sure. But it's been a, it's been of the years we've done this show. It's like there's the least amount of stuff. Like there's stuff I probably could play, but it's the year where I'm looking at the slate of games and there's nothing. I'm like, oh fuck, I really want to get to this. Mm. It's the year where the stuff that I haven't touched this year, it's stuff that at a push I'm obliged to play. 
but there's nothing where I'm like, like every year there's been at least like two or three absolute humdingers of games in this part of the year I still haven't gotten to or still haven't come out whereas this year I'm kind of like do you know what like I kind of got to most of the stuff I wanted to and I'm not like I, I, I think eh. the issue is um, it, it, there's been a relatively slow steady pace of games throughout the year and then September happened and I feel like there was about four or five um, games that either were like getting racking up those kind of game of the year scores or at least were essential that you had to play um mm. and then obviously on top of that you got fucking metroid today as well so i went from being kind of fairly ahead of like where i needed to be to like oh jesus i've got half of psychonauts still to play i have Deathloop that i haven't even purchased yet let alone started playing Deathloop. Yeah, I mean, Metroid Dread is probably the biggest one for the rest of the year that I'm like, I need to play at least some of that. Yeah. I, I need to just because I've played three Metroidvanias this year, this year and they've all been fairly disappointing. So I'd like to play a good one. Metroid, uh, Metroid Dread as well. Pretty much universally, everything I've heard about it so far is very good. Um, so yeah. I, I definitely want to get to that one too. Yeah. Like in a world where I'm further ahead in the series, I'd be playing Lost Judgment for sure before the end of the year. But like, I'm not rushing that. So I still have six, seven and the first judgment to get through in the Yakuza verse. Um, so anyway, let's wrap it up this time. Uh, thanks for listening at Link to the Cast where you need to go. Um, give us some ideas for what kind of stuff you'd like us to, to talk about or to cover or maybe some uh, award categories to replace our, our removed ones this year. Individually, I'm at The Day to Dave. Mark is at Lithium Project. Jack is at Jack Lazell. Uh, until next week, uh, be safe and we shall talk to you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>